Hey, this is Paul Diver, uh, and I'm the founder of a business called 360 Consult. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I want to welcome you to today's episode. I have a, a gentleman with me. His name is Paul Diver. He is the founder, director of employment relations consulting firm 360 Consult Limited, and he is also a director of various other organizations. He's a highly experienced in collective bargaining, strategic employment relations, and organizational change. Paul has worked with employers across the wide range of businesses and organization sectors as the go-to advocate and advisor. And he also is a successful facilitator across various areas. Paul, a big welcome to the show. Great to be here, Dennis, um, and loving the opportunity to share uh, some stories that I can bring around leadership and also how leadership is changing. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Hey, um, so I've given our listeners a little brief introduction to you. Tell me, is there anything else that you want to share about your background? Well, I started off um, uh, with a degree in law, so that set the foundation uh, for me and and then promptly never became a lawyer. So that mm. was uh, kind of interesting. What I've done is use the law degree as, a, as a, a really solid foundation to get into employment relations, bargaining work, and, um, to, understand, and, and to have a good understanding of law uh, has been a foundation for that. But it's also been uh, an opportunity to um, engage with a wide range of organisations, and it's given me the opportunity to eventually then get into leadership development and um, particularly around supporting leaders to be the best that they can be. Awesome. Very good. And, and of course, you and I are in lockdown at the moment in, in the country of New Zealand right now. And um, so really interesting how you shared that you studied law, but you didn't actually become a lawyer. I mean, that's the, well, uh, that's really, really interesting to hear. But you've taken those skill sets, those that, that background, that foundation to help you go and do the other things around employment law and so forth. And um, we'll talk about employees soon as well, a little bit later on in, in, uh, in today's episode. How did you get into leadership? I had two really significant experience, uh, experiences that provided the pathway. Um, the first was that um, my early career work uh, involved bargaining in both the state and the private sector, especially in the New Zealand context with what we called national awards, which were 
really distinct and distant from the actual workplace relationships. Um, I later worked with, uh, with New Zealand Breweries, which became Lion Nathan, a reasonably well-known organisation um, around the world. It's been in various parts of the world uh, along the way. And uh, what I experienced there was, and why I loved being there, was because it gave me the opportunity to build the more direct engagement between leaders in the organisation and workers in the organisation, uh, as distinct from the old national award system, which would line up a bunch of union officials on one side and a bunch of industry officials on the other side. And as I remember one one uh, industry official who was a, a bit of a gruff, grumpy truck driver, a truck-owning company, he just said, oh, when are we going to talk about the drivers and the trucks that they drive? You know, that kind of really clear message that it's about the relationships on the job. It's not about all the other stuff that's very distant from the workplace. So that was a really strong uh, indication and a really strong experience for me to bring about change in the way that people engage with each other. The second experience um, was that in 1992, um, sort of about 13 years into my career, I had the opportunity to attend um, an IAS, which is the name of the organisation that ran it, an IAS uh, Genesis Leadership Programme. And that program really consolidated for me um, the power of purpose, vision, and action as a direction for creating success. Now, I was always very strongly connected to my own personal purpose, but what the program really consolidated with me was um, that, if you like, that triumvirate uh, that starts with purpose, goes to vision, and then leads to action. So from those experiences, uh, I eventually founded my own consulting business, um, which is now continuing after it just just about to reach its 30th uh, anniversary. Oh, wow. Um, and we're now, um, I'm now in a situation where uh, I'm the founder director, but I've got a chief executive uh, leading the business and uh, gives me space and time to do the stuff that I love to do. The second thing that it enabled me to do is to then go on and work with um, IAS and and specifically uh, the guy that founded IAS, a man by the name of Brian Martin, uh, who had been a very successful uh, international leader in the um, in Japan and China and Hong Kong and various places. So. Uh, Brian, I'm working with Brian around leadership development programs both in New Zealand and internationally. And that taught me a huge amount in terms of uh, not only um, was I able to share my facilitation um, of leadership development, but I also engaged with a huge range of leaders both in New Zealand and uh, in Asia uh, that has taught me a huge amount about uh, leadership. And every single program that I am engaged with, every single coaching assignment that I engage with teaches me as well as giving me the opportunity to um, to assist and facilitate leaders to be the best that they can be. So that's that's how I got into leadership. And, and what's been fabulous is that the work that I do in uh, employment relations and, and building relationships in that environment and the work that I do in leadership development just cross paths beautifully. Mm. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I, I use stories from each in that context to really drive um, success. Do you think that there is there we have issues within the businesses nowadays because of the poor or lack of strong leadership or effective leadership that may actually cause problems? And there we have yeah, some issues around employment relations. Uh, Absolutely. So um, I can give you a couple of examples. Um, I'm dealing with uh, an organization right now um, because it's live right now. I won't refer to the name of it. But what we're doing in there is that we have an interest-based approach. Um, So we are identifying, we've identified what are the shared issues that the union and the employer has, and we're working our way through those shared issues. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get an early agreement or a consensus around um, around those issues, but it is a better way of doing it rather than a positional, I'll tell you what I want, um, you tell me what you want, and then we'll bash it out between us. Um, to me, uh, and it's interesting because whilst we're in this lockdown on Zoom and doing so much over Zoom, we, we spent... Um, four hours together today, together, not sitting in separate rooms, sorting out what our next position is, but we actually spent four hours talking to each other and listening to each other. So I think that's a critical issue. Yet another example, I've got another client that is totally into positional bargaining, um, low trust uh, and... Uh, always worried about um, what what the union will do next, uh, and um, the sad thing about that is is that it's probable that I'm about to share with that client that uh, that actually that's not the way I like to do business. That's not the way that I like to lead. And even after 15 years of working with them, I may just say, "Well, look, I think you need to find a different voice, someone that's got a different approach," because. Clearly, we're not connected. Yeah, and it's amazing how a lot of leaders uh, have a fear of something or they, they don't want something to happen, and then da-da, it starts to happen. Well, because you're attracting it. That's what you're thinking about. That's what you – so so be careful how you're actually thinking about things, I think, is, is, is quite a, an interesting way to look at it, right? Because <laughs> so, you'll bring it into being. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If exactly, you show yeah. low trust, well, you'll get low trust. Well, there you go, yeah. And so um, – and trust is a big thing. That is huge. And I'm sure it's like that in the bargaining side of things, but in leadership development that we've seen, just running your own business, our businesses, and being part of director of other companies. I think trust is a huge thing that we need to see leaders actually have and build over time. And Paul, I know um, what I've seen is that that trust does take time to develop. But boy, it can go out the window so quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So recently, I've been doing some work with um, with my good friend Lyndon Bray, who's who was based in Cape Town, and we were actually uh, facilitating uh, a uh, leading out of COVID process for mainly for um, South African leaders. Mm-hmm. And the principal driver behind um, the potential for South Africa, which we had to put on ice for a while because of COVID, is the opportunity to actually um, shift the hierarchical structure of what we see, what we've observed as a predominant um, way of being, a directive hierarchical structure uh, in South Africa to a more cooperative, shared interest kind of model. 
mm-hmm. and there's there's a particular uh, there's a particular you know even the government gets it because they're actually asking uh, organisations, well, in fact requiring organisations to commit funding um, for training and development of, of of black industry and black leadership in, inside the inside South Africa. And what we've observed through that program is that people are looking for the change. They're looking for a different way um, to do to, to be leaders uh, and to be therefore more effective. Because in today's environment, just simply giving somebody a set of orders isn't yeah. going to work. Which reminds me of a great story. I was doing some work with a New Zealand organisation and a new leader, a new chief executive came into that organisation and we had just been there uh, about three months developing leadership uh, programs for the organisation. And uh, he sat down with us, uh, a couple of us that were doing the work, and said, right, now, um, you know that I've got a background in the military, uh, so the first thing I'm going to do is that I'm going to send everybody to uh, all the leaders uh, to Trentham, which is uh, uh, an army base out in uh, in Wellington, near Wellington, New Zealand. And um, we're all going to get them trained in how to give and to take orders. Cool. How did that go? <laughs> yeah, not well. <laughs> no, I was going to say. Um, hey, going, going back to something you just said before about people are looking for change. Um, yeah. I think you were saying that was the leaders who were looking for the change. But what about the employees? Are they looking for the change as well? Or is yes. everybody? Yeah. Um, well, look, I, I, I think that um, right now um, people inside organisations are looking for leaders to take a different kind of approach. I think what leaders need to, what they're looking for is authenticity. Yep. Uh, they want transparency. Um, don't, don't hide stuff from us. If it's bad, then let us in on what's bad and um, let's work together on seeing how we can make the best of whatever the situation is. So I've had the um, I had the experience in uh, between April last year and the end of March this year of working very closely with an organisation that has had the most, I think probably the most significant large-scale change that it could, and that's in New Zealand. Mm. So from from April last year, right close to the beginning of the experience, I worked with the the workplace relations team and executives in the organisation on how do we um, engage with the workforce and with the unions in such a way that even though we've got to make some pretty tough decisions, how do we engage so that we've still got a viable, uh, connected relationship between the organisation and its people. So the people, so the leaders recognise that that's what the people were looking for and the people were looking to be connected with, to be engaged with. And, and I think that's, that's you know, more and more about what people want. So how do leaders need to be? They need to be authentic. They need to be absolutely real um, and they need to be sharing um, the news as it arrives. And if there's one thing that I saw, and I'm still seeing because I'm still connected with the New Zealand environment, is the level of work that goes into communication and engagement is outstanding. And I think that's what's, um, you know, they've got a name in, inside Air New Zealand. They're not just employees. They're Air New Zealanders. It's not them. It's us. It's we are Air New Zealanders. doesn't matter whether you're Greg Foran, chief executive, 
or whether you're a bag- baggage handler. We are ear New Zealanders. And that was uh, a really wonderful experience to, um, that I had in being part of that, that part of that story for that 12 months. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's really, really great. And I mean, yeah, very hard times for many airlines around the world, and um, in, in particular this one because we're so far away from everybody else. And of course, we've had to to do well. I've had to do major change. I really like what you say, though, is don't hide from things. Uh, so, listeners, if leaders, uh, leaders, don't hide from things, um, or don't hide things from the employees or from your leadership team. Yeah, be transparent, be real. And this is what, um, Paul, I'm finding that this is actually getting louder and louder, particularly over the last two or three years, that people want the leaders to be vulnerable. They want them to be real, authentic, transparent, as you're saying. And they just want people to be there. And here's two other things I'll add to it. We want leaders to actually have an opinion, and we want you to make a decision. Even the decision we may not like. However, nothing worse than having a leader who's not going to make a decision. And I think that's, that's pretty cool what you're saying there. But the key for all of it is communication. Yeah, absolutely. And if, yeah, yeah, that's good. Very yeah. good. So, I mean, one of the things about, you know, in terms of an employee employee expectations is that, yes, there were times when the hierarchical directive approach, maybe it works in some circumstances, if it ever really did. But now's not the time for a hierarchical directive approach. Yes, there are times when decisions need to be made, sometimes quickly, um, because of the pace with which, um, the environment is changing, but you'll be able to make those decisions. Um, at, you know, at the end of the spectrum, where it is, I've just got to make the decision. So, leader, decide. But it's going to be based on the fact that you've built a trust bank over a period of time. Mm-hmm. So, if you've got, um, in in terms of that broad spectrum, if you've built the trust bank, if you've built the connectedness, if you've built the engagement levels um, in a way that people go, "Yep, I get." that you needed to make that decision. So uh, in New Zealand's case, they needed to make the decision ultimately that they had to uh, release a third of the workforce. Not not necessarily permanently, but they needed to release them because actually they couldn't sustain um, the business and have all 12,500 people continue to be there. Yep, yeah, that's huge. Absolutely huge. Paul, um, this question here is, this person can be from alive or from history. Who's your favourite leader and why? So, um, got some interesting. I was I thought about that question, and and I've um, there's a, there's a few key words that or characteristics really that that describe and go with these leaders. So the first one that I I connected I connect with is Nelson Mandela. Not only for his vision, but what he demonstrated was perseverance. Scar, mm. keep on keeping on. You know, be prepared to be in jail. Be prepared to to take what he experienced, but then come out and uh, and then be having persevered, be a leader. So I think yep. I think that's perseverance for me as as a leadership attitude that I think is really important. Second one um, is is service. So again, vision and service, and I, I see that in in the life of Mother Teresa. It's a life of service, and I think leaders need to serve. It's not about being, it's not about being the top dog. It's about yep. serving. So, yeah. um, you know, a lot of organisations it was fashionable for a while. Let's just tip the organisation structure on its head, just to demonstrate that leadership is there to serve the front line. Uh, and um, you know, that was just a, a symbol, but 
taking that attitude of service, I think, is very powerful. The other, um, the other one that I, I you know, a guy that I've had the opportunity to work with who's been a, a significant leader in New Zealand is a man by the name of John Allen. Uh, John was a lawyer who uh, got taken into New Zealand Post um, out of his uh, work as a, as a lawyer, commercial lawyer at Kensington Swamp. Um, he eventually became the chief executive of New Zealand Post, uh, or first of all, leaders of the letters business, then New Zealand Post. He's been chief executive of MFAT, Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade. He's been a leader in the racing sector in New Zealand. Um, and whilst he's retired, ran into him in the street a few a few weeks ago in Wellington, and he's still doing stuff. He's still active, and he's still got the energy and the passion that he has for people and for leadership. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I uh, saw from John and he really reinforced for me was he believes that people, first of all, need to lead themselves yep. before they can lead others yep. and before they can lead change. So um, I'm, uh, I've had the experience many times of watching this introvert um, leader wind himself up with passion and just be totally transparent and out there in terms of his passionate engagement for leadership himself, others, and change. Um, and uh, so he's certainly influenced me. So I guess the, the three the three things that come from that then are perseverance, service, and passion for the leadership of self. Yeah, excellent. And That's John, John, John did this amazing thing. He said, all right, I'm going to take 2,000 posties and mail sorters, and I'm going to give them an opportunity to come on a two-day leadership program about leadership of self. And, and New Zealand Post funded that for its frontline people. Also funded a whole lot of uh, leaders, what we call Leaders Edge programs, for um, for leaders in the business. But to, to do that for people at the front line, I thought was an amazing example of putting his beliefs uh, into practice. That's amazing. That's amazing. I really like it. Perseverance, uh, service, and passion for self. I think yep. that's 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 really, really cool. Yep. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I think that's fascinating. Now, the show is called Leadership is Changing. That's the title of the show. Uh, what does that mean for you? So right now, um, I think... That means that leaders need, and I as a leader, um, need to be in a place of discovery in the way that we uh, engage. Uh, now, for me, it's a, it's about the way that um, our business engages with clients um, and assisting them to engage with their people in meaningful ways. So um, place of discovery is is the first one. Not necessarily going back to, this is the way we've always done it. Mm. Um, now it's a case of asking the question, how do we go about doing this in a way that's actually going to create success? So I think that's the first thing, being in a discovery. I think the, the, the second thing that I would say is to, given the degree of change, and I've already talked about this a little, given the degree of change that's happening with pace, um, you know, that change is accelerating. So whatever you've got going on in your business right now, whether it's good or whether it's not so good, what's happening with the pandemic world is going to accelerate whatever's happening. 
So you really need to be looking carefully at um, how your business is being and how relationships are being in the business and then focusing on how do we engage with people in a way that's going to actually take us to the what I describe as the top of the above the line, the above the line approach rather than, oh, woe is me. So right now, I think it's about controlling the controllables. You can whinge and moan and groan about all the things that you can't do. Well, let's just get on and focus on the things that we can do. And it's the we can do. Hmm. So it's a it's a connected collective effort to uh, to figure out how we actually make stuff work. Um, and it's it is about controlling the controllables. Um, so I think that's um, that's what I see successful organisations doing right now, uh, and that's enabling. You know, and, and a really good example of it is uh, if you have a business where there isn't the trust bank, and they go to the business and say, "All right, people." Um, We'd like to voluntarily get everybody to agree to a four-day week and four days pay. And if you don't have the trust bank, they're going to turn around and say, oh, rack off. Yep. We're not interested in. Yep. Because we don't trust you. We think Mm. you're doing that to actually protect your own profit line. So if you've had an environment of trust and openness and um, transparency of your numbers and, um, you know, all of that stuff, then people are going to go, yep, we get it. And we know that you're sharing in the pain as leaders and owners of the business, just as we as employees are sharing in the pain. So it's about being able to, um, to, in my view, build that trust bank as, and if you don't have it, work on it. Yeah, very good. Very good. The trust bank is really key, uh, what we're hearing here, listeners. Uh, Paul, just to, I know that we've got time's moving on. So just a few more questions for you. Yeah. How has your business or industry changed and what demand has that put on you? Um, so one of the things that happened in the in the first moment of level four lockdown and the pad- pandemic um, last year, you know, no, no, no one shall go to work. And everybody kind of went, oh, well, what do we do now? And what we did is we went into discovery and we did a huge amount of webinars and connecting with clients, just saying, how are you? How are you getting on? Uh, It's not about going out and saying, have you got any billable work for us? Rather, it's going out and saying, how are you getting on? How is it for you? What's happening? How can we support you? Um, So I think what we we did is that when we came out of um, the lockdowns and we started to get back to doing the work, we had more work than we previously had. Amazing. So we've had growth. Yeah. Uh, and as a as a mark of our confidence from that experience and our confidence in the relationships that we're building, we employed a new junior in the business uh, about eight weeks ago. We employed on the first day of level four lockdown in New Zealand um, in August, we had a new senior start. And at the beginning of this week, we had another new senior start. So we're we're actually investing in our ability to deliver for our clients. So that's um, that's what we're doing. And, and we're, we're hiring people and bringing people into our business that believe in what we believe. So they believe in our little mantra of, uh, we have a couple of little mantras. So we have one is, um, it's, it's, not, it's not an original, um, but it's a, it's a statement that is relationships are all that there is. And then we have a little tagline, which is people. It's about it's always about people. We focus on it's about people at work, 
And finally, it's about solutions. It's about focusing on the solutions for people in the workplace. So um, in in keeping focused on that story, then that helps us as a business be better than what we've been in the past. That's awesome. Yeah, well done. And you know what? I think a lot of it is because of the, the relationships, right? I mean, who cares about the, when I say who cares, who cares about the business or the numbers? It's how are you? Yeah. the person. And once people know that you care about them, then they're going to go with you. They're going to be with you for sure, which is really quite quite important. Paul, if, if there was one thing you can change in business as a leader today, what would it be? I think that leaders have, um, I think, mistakenly um, been action-oriented. Um, action's important, don't get me wrong. But I think where it needs to start, and, and I think if it's if people are going to be more successful as leaders in a fast-changing environment, I think the word that we need to focus on is being. So, uh, and there's this old joke, of course, about the fact that we're actually not human doings; we're actually human beings. Yeah. And I think it's a good, strong message. We need to be authentic. We need to be present. We need to be connected. We need to be engaged with our people, with our market, with our customers. Um, you know, it's the being that underpins it. And as a result of the being, you know, and a really strong focus on the being, then take action. Because you, whilst you're being all of those things, you'll figure out and stay connected to your purpose and your vision. Yep. Or to put it in other language that's been more commonly used recently, the, the why, the how, the what um, yep. that people are using more and more out of the Simon Sinek work. So, you know, for me, it's the being part of it that actually drives um, successful leadership uh, in this environment rather than disconnected action orientation where it could be probably scattered. Um, So if we can keep ourselves focused in that being space, focused on the why, the purpose and vision, then we're going to keep on being aligned uh, in the action that we take. Yeah, that's wonderful. I really like it. Uh, it sounds like a book coming on there, Paul, that, um, about the being and, and so forth. But I think that what you're sharing is beautiful stuff in the sense that we're not focusing just on action. There's There's got to be other stuff that we need to do. It's a whole package that we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, and listeners, that's really important. So, Paul, you work with many employees and um, has or how is employees' expectations of leaders changed? I just think that they want to, um, they want to have a relationship with their employer um, mm. Look, there's you know, leaders know and understand that first of all, people are going to need to actually have some return for the work that they do. Right? They're coming, yep. they're coming to work to get paid, so that's important. But it's not the only thing. Um, I think what employees are wanting is they're wanting good work. Yes, they're wanting a, a, a worth environment. So they want to be coming to work and being able able to go, come to work and say. Yeah, I like being at work. So I've got a good environment. Um, it's engaged. We can have some. We can even have some fun there. We can get on and do the work, yep. but we can even have some fun there. We can enjoy it. I think employees want the ability to grow. So um, most employees, not all, but most employees want to see a development pathway for them because yep. they like to, particularly younger people, they're not going to be necessarily satisfied with just doing what they've always done, you know, from day in and day out. Um, they do want to actually grow. And and mm-hmm. I see that in my own business. 
Um, and there are a range of young people that we've hired over the years that have gone on to do great things in other organisations. And, um, and, and it's been really uh, empowering for me to see um, how they've moved forward. So growth, development, feeling that it's worth it to come to work, not just for the money. So those are the kind of things that I think if organisations can be in that space, um, then uh, then people are going to walk out of the job at the end of the day and go, that was a good day. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what's really pleasing to hear what you just said there is about the about people feeling like that, you know, when they've gone off to do other things in other organisations, that's that's really been good for you. Because that's, that's our success story as leaders. I mean, so many leaders sit there and they want to hang on to their people. They don't want to let them go. And and it's that's wrong. We yep. need to let people and, and develop them and let them go to fly and be the best that they can be. And and, yep. and that's part of our purpose and our vision to do that action, going back yep. to those words that you used before, right? So I think that's really, really cool. Um, Paul, I'm not going to ask you the next question because I think you've already covered it and that was in relation to the leader success, being successful today in a fast-paced, mm. uh, ever-changing world. I think you've already yep. covered that nicely um, already. So if I was to get you to get your crystal ball out and start thinking about the future, where do you see leadership being in five years? Um, I, I think we've, we've had, in, in a world context, I think we've had a bit of a step back um, mm. to authoritarianism in, right. in the last um, three to four years. I think we were, we were trending well. And, and not all of the world has gone back to authoritarianism, but we're certainly, if you think about it from a, from a global perspective, um, I, would, I would think that it's fair to say that, that Russia, China and the United States um, have strongly gone to a more directive authoritarian approach. Um, the US has come back a bit, but there's still a big debate within the United States about um, the, the future direction. I think it's really interesting that um, the organisations of the countries that have been successful in um, keeping a more connected approach with their people, uh, interestingly, are led more by women than men. Um, and look, there's been studies done on it, so I'm not going to quote from them or anything, but you know, it's, it's clear to me that uh, we need uh, leadership not only in a global political sense, but we need leadership in an organisational sense that is not um, controlling and dominant, but that we need leadership in five years to be more and more an engaged leadership. And the more that we're able to build that um, that partner, kind of a partnership-based world that we see ourselves as part of one globe and that we do need to take action together not least of which um, around the whole issue of climate change um, and not least of which around um, the pandemic and its impact, not just in the more successful economies in the world, but also in those countries where it's, uh, where it's just driving unchecked through populations. And we need, to be, uh, we need to be thinking about how do we lead in that context. There you go, listeners, an engaged leadership approach. There's something that we should be looking at more, and uh, we're wanting to have that going forward. So thank you, Paul, for joining us on the show today. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? So we have a website, um, which is 360 Consult. Now, the 60 is the numerals, um, and then we've got three 
numerals 60 consult and you'll find us through that um, or if you want to find me you can just type my name into a LinkedIn page uh, and you'll find me through LinkedIn. Awesome. Paul, once again, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. Excellent. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Have a look for the episodes as they've been released. Download them, have a listen, and put a review and a rating. If there's, uh, Feel free to share them with your friends and your family and your network. And if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if you have a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 